Hello, I'm Major Adrian Allman. And I'm Captain Claire Allman. Welcome to the Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army podcast series. Birmingham Citadel is a Christian church located in Birmingham City Centre in the UK. This podcast is a recording of the Bible message that is shared during the Sunday worship service. You can now watch our service online through live stream at 10.30am every Sunday morning and can also find our stories and videos on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. It's good to have you share with us and as you listen we pray that God will speak to you. May you know God's abundant blessing today. I'm very conscious that our time is going but just bear with us. Let's turn to the word of God. We've had a great meeting thus far and we've, it's been right that we've uh, done all that we have done and uh, it's been God honouring and so let's just turn to the word of God now as we uh, come to the latter end of our meeting. Um, for Christmas I was really grateful to receive yet another book. Can I just say I, I'm not on commission with Waterstones or WH Smiths or anything. I seem to bring a, a new book every month to recommend to you. If it wasn't Dan Walker's last well, last time. This time it was a book that I was really happy to receive. It was a book um, by Rob Burrow. If you're not interested in sport, you still probably have met the name Rob Burrow. Rob Burrow is a rugby league player and being a northern boy, I, I love rugby league. I'm really into rugby league and um, when his story came along, I, I've known Rob Burrow as a, a little guy from Castleford, five foot four stocky as anything, played all his career with the Leeds Rhinos rugby league team. In December 2019, after his retirement, he'd been at an after-dinner speech, and he was the speaker, and he started slurring his words. He couldn't get the words out. They thought he was drunk, and they actually went away, but there were other little telltale signs, and so they recommended he went to see the doctor at the club. The doctor says, do you know what, I'm going to send you to a neurologist. I just want you to go see a neurologist and see what's going on here. Neurologist said it was fine, but sadly, after a few weeks of tests, Rob Burroughs was diagnosed with mutant neuron disease. Two years ago, he was fit, stocky and everything. Two years on, he's now in a wheelchair. He's as thin as a rake, he can't speak, he has to use a computer that interprets what his, his brain patterns are saying in order to, to communicate with the world. Claire bought me this, his book, his autobiography that he'd written, and I just wanted to read to you one paragraph, and he says this, Since being diagnosed, people keep asking me about my bucket list. Do you fancy jumping out of a plane? Don't you want to see the Grand Canyon? But this is my bucket list. Watching my children grow up for as long as I can. I've done everything else I need to do. Now I have responsibility to stick around, not only to my family, but also to everyone else living with this horrible disease. I need to prove that if your doctor says you've only got two years left to live, you can double it. By fighting as hard as I can, I hope others will find strength. And I hope they can see that there are too many reasons to live. And that's what gives the book its title, Too Many Reasons to Live. 
As I'm reading it, and I do recommend it to you, um, it's a great book, even if you're not sporty. Just the storyline is just fantastic. As I read it, I couldn't help but go into the, the story of Simeon. Simeon's story we find in Luke chapter 2. Luke's the only person to mention Simeon and Anna. Nobody else mentions it at all. We forget all about it. In Orthodox traditions, they would be picking this up this week because it's the Feast of Candlemas. Forty days after the birth of Jesus, Jesus is presented in the temple. And this is exactly this story. Luke chapter 2 is the story of Jesus being presented in the temple. Mary and Joseph had to go to the temple for two reasons. Not just to present him according to the book of Exodus, because he was the first one, but they also had to go because, having had a baby, Mary was considered unclean. So she had to offer her cleansing ritual. And it's there that they meet Simeon and Anna. Simeon had a bucket list as well. His bucket list was very simple. He wanted to see the Messiah before he went to his, earthly, his heavenly reward. The coming of the Messiah was not something unexpected by the Jews. They'd long seen themselves as the chosen nature of, nation of God. And so naturally, they believed that one day a mighty leader would arise, who'd come and make their nation great, who'd defeat all their enemies. While some of them dreamt of battles and wars and mighty warriors, others were godly, quiet folk who waited patiently upon God in humble, faithful anticipation that one day he was going to comfort his people. And Simeon was one of these individuals. We're not told much about him. We hardly encounter him at all. The things that we are told about him are the things that actually matter the most. Things that pertain to his character and his faith. Verse 25 tells us he was righteous and devout. They speak of his personal walk with God and his integrity. His standing in society. We're told also that he was a man of faith and hope who looked for the consolation of Israel. Simeon was a man filled by the Holy Spirit. And it was the Holy Spirit who revealed to Simeon that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Christ. He was old, yet he'd not given up the hope that one day he would see the Messiah. This was the biggest moment in his life. Recognizing Jesus to be the Messiah, this elderly man would take the Christ child in his arms and be blessed. There's another character. Her name's Anna. She was a widow. She'd only been married seven years before her husband died. And yet we now read she's well in her 80s. Day and night she was in the temple, says the narrative, praying and fasting. What for? What was she praying? We don't know. Luke doesn't tell us. But what he does say is that like Simeon, she was looking for the Messiah. And there she was in the courts, and out the corner of her eye, she noticed a young couple and a little baby, and she noticed this man, Simeon, receiving this child, and it dawned on her what was happening. She began to give thanks to God. And more than this, she began to broadcast the good news to everybody in the temple courts that he was the Messiah. I do find this a really interesting story, this. Luke, as a reporter, 
doesn't do a particularly stunning job about reporting the dedication, does he? If this had been Rob O'Connor, Rob O'Connor on a dedication would write to Salvationists and say, on Sunday, so-and-so, so-and-so, um, the, uh, a couple in our corps brought their baby, naming the baby, to be dedicated. The ceremony was conducted by Captain Clare. The godparents, naming the godparents, were present, describing the meeting. Actually, Luke didn't tell us any of it. He tells us nothing about the actual presentation in the temple. If Luke was reporting, this would have been Luke's reporting, on Sunday, so-and-so, this young couple brought their baby to be dedicated. And on their way in, they spoke to a couple in the foyer that they'd never met. That would be the report, because that is exactly what he's saying. Forget the presentation, forget what actually happened. All he focuses on is a conversation with two strangers. You see, for Luke, these two are a reminder of what really matters in life. Simeon was a man who trusted God. He obeyed his word. He looked for his kingdom. He was indwelt and led by the Holy Spirit. Anna's life was rooted in faithful activities of prayer and fasting. And the coming of the kingdom of God was the one great hope, the one great motivation that they had. It was the one great occupation of these two saints. And you know what? It should be ours as well. The coming of the kingdom of God should be the thing that dictates all that we are. What can we learn from these two? When we were at Gloucester, we were very fortunate on one Sunday afternoon for the week of prayer for Christian unity to have an Anglican theologian called Dr. Paula Gooder come and speak at our core. If you've not heard Paula Gooder, she's well worth listening to. But Paula Gooder, in her thoughts on this passage here in Luke chapter 2, she dwells on verse 30. She looks at that verse and she says, what does... Simeon says, he says, my eyes have seen. And she says, actually, that at the heart of this gospel reading is the skill of noticing. Do you possess the skill of noticing? I'm rubbish at it. When she goes to get a haircut, do I notice? When she takes me shopping and she's holding up a, a, a new blouse and telling me what I think... Do I notice? No. We've been looking for surfers recently. And actually, while everybody else is paying great attention to the fabric and what it's like, I am not good at noticing. But actually, what Paula Gooder says is that this message here is all about developing the skill of noticing, of seeing beyond what is obvious. And she says this, each of us is called to become an expert in the task of not only looking for God, but noticing him when he meets us, as he always does, in unexpected ways. How are you at noticing God? I'd love to be able to show you a picture of the temple. Because actually when we read this, and you've read about the temple course... What is your picture of the temple? Do you think it's like Birmingham Citadel? It isn't. 
I mean, the temple in Jesus' day was huge. Football field sizes. So imagine one young couple with their baby and two doves in hand walking into a big gathering like that. And this man, Simeon, has got to find them. It's not as if, like... The angels were given messages to the shepherds. The kings were led by a star. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit doesn't say to Simeon, you're going to find a young couple and they'll be at this gate and he'll be wearing a carnation in his lapel and you'll spot them easily. No. He has to find them. And so he has to develop the skill of noticing All Simeon and Anna had was their faithfulness, their wisdom, and their eyes. But still, somehow, they miraculously found the Christ. Friends, I I put it to you as well, that we need to be people of imagination. People who can see beyond the obvious. People who can lay aside what we think are our expectations of God and what God will do to actually see what God is really doing. We need to be attentive to the things of God. Simeon and Anna developed the skill of noticing. And through their imagination and through their attentiveness, they were able to see God meeting them, and there they responded. A few weeks ago... You remember I spoke about Dave Ferguson and I used an illustration from Dave Ferguson's book. I said that for us all to have effective discipleship, there has to be three growing relationships that we have to develop if we are to live in God's covenant. Do you remember that one, that one, and that one? I guess you've all been doing that for two weeks, haven't you? Interestingly, Sam and Sarah Hargreaves, who've done a lot of work for LICC, pick up that same kind of idea. They they call this one the vertical dimension. And what they say when they talk about nurturing the vertical dimension, the vertical relationship, they say this, many times in the Bible we see characters having a fresh revelation of God's character or activity, which then spills over into a heartfelt response. Well, isn't that exactly what's happening with Simeon and Anna here? A new revelation, a heartfelt response results. Interestingly, what Sam and Sarah Hargreaves go on to say is that in many parts of modern worship, we're very good at the response bit. We can sing, I love you, Lord, We can dedicate our lives to him. What we're not very good at is the revelation bit. We don't see the revelation. We do the response, but we don't see the revelation. We're not very good at noticing. Sometimes I think we turn up on a Sunday morning with heads so full of things, we don't actually know what we're responding to. We miss the revelation of God before us. Just one final thought to bring all this together. In recent days, I was reading a comment in a newspaper from a medical professor who was reflecting on the last two years we've all experienced. 
And to describe the impact of the pandemic on global society, he said, what we are living through now is a new cycle of collective dismay. What we are living through is a new cycle of collective dismay. Really, we're saying um, there was a universal aching for our distress to end. And I can identify with that. I'm fed up of it. I want it all to end. It's the kind of lament that the psalmist used to write in the Psalms. Oh, Lord, how long? Are you in that boat as well? How long is this going to go on? But the professor was suggesting that the concept of waiting for life to return to some form of normal had actually become a really excruciating endurance. We were just enduring it. At the age of 37, this bloke could have decided this, whatever life has got, my last two years is going to be, an, I'm just going to endure it. He chose not to. He said, I'm not going to do that. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to live with active anticipation. I'm going to live with active anticipation. And that's exactly what Simeon and Anna did. They lived with active anticipation instead of excruciating endurance. They developed the skill of noticing and through their imagination and attentiveness were able to see God meeting them and were able to respond. And do you know what I sense? They went out of that place energized, reignited in their passion. I don't want to live in collective dismay anymore. I want to pursue active anticipation of what God will do, the revelation he will put before us. I want a, a, a kind of active anticipation that reignites my passion. And therefore I'm looking for fresh revelations of God's character or activity that's going to flow over into a heartfelt response. How about you? You know, we bypass Simeon and Anna. Their story's not relevant. We don't preach on it. But if there's one message they can tell us, it's the skill of noticing God's presence in our midst, how he reveals himself to us. I wonder, how has he revealed himself to you today? How has God revealed himself to you today? What kind of anticipation have you got as a result of that revelation friends let's develop the skill of noticing let's develop the skill of noticing God in our midst let's recognize him working and in response to his revelation to ourselves let that then be our response of praise let not, not just be good responders and not very good in spotting the revelation. A simple message from a 37-year-old with mutual neuron disease, but also a simple message from an old man who'd waited a long time to see the Messiah. Let's have a skill of noticing God in our midst. Let's pray together. Father God, I just pray that today, as we come to the end of our meeting,
that we will be people who, like Anna and Simeon, will be attentive, attentive to the ways of God, that we will spend our time waiting upon you, not in excruciating endurance, but in active anticipation of all that you're going to give to us, all that you're going to reveal to us. And I pray, Lord, that you'll teach us to develop the skill of noticing you. That we won't be people who are just oblivious to you, who just join in praise because it's what we do, but our praise will be a result of the revelation of yourself to us. So, Lord, bless us in our noticing. And this week, reveal something new to us of yourself. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. So you don't miss any further recordings, please subscribe to this podcast and also share and review it to help other people find and join our Birmingham Citadel online congregation. This has been a production for Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army in the United Kingdom. If you'd like to know more about us or want to worship with us, then visit our webpage at birminghamcitadel.co.uk.